0: I'm actually going to hold the microphone because usually when I'm speaking to people, it's I'm singing and I've got a guitar in my hands, so I want to hang on to the microphone so I have something to do with my hands. Um, some of you here um, may have known me from the past or um, known me from this, my time here so far, um, but a lot of you, I'd say, probably don't know a lot about me. And uh, I feel it's important that if I'm leading you every Sunday in worship that you should know a little bit about me and where I come from in my heart. Um, from a young age, my parents, they they were worship leaders in the church as I grew up. And uh, when I was younger, I, was, I knew I was supposed to sing in church and, uh, you know, with the kids' choir and all that. But um, I just couldn't do it. I just did not like to do it. I would come up with an excuse like I couldn't hear myself or um, even at like five, six years old, I remember doing that. And my dad was like, what? That I would just make excuses. So um, I n- never led worship. I played, started playing guitar when I was about 15, gave up on it, didn't pick it back up till I was 18, maybe, um, then put it back down again for a long time. Um, kind of been an ongoing battle with me personally, kind of running from what I was supposed to do. But I played guitar for my parents and uh, um, played music with them for years. I didn't anticipate spending this much time on talking about myself, but I feel like it's important that you guys know this. Um, So um, when I finished college, we moved away for a while so I could finish up college. I came back and um, a very dear friend of mine, who was leading worship at a church I was going to, um, talked me into just playing guitar for the youth band. And uh, little did she know that would change my life. Um, About a year after that, I started leading songs here and there. Started singing, gaining confidence singing in front of people, something I never had. Um, And she kept pushing me and pushing me, this uh, um, amazing friend of mine. Um, I'm very thankful for that. Um, so that was probably six, seven years ago. And ever since I've been leading worship, it's just what I'm called to do. And, uh, I tried to not think that for a long time, even from a young age, I tried to avoid it. Um, so enough about me. Um, I do want to take this time since I got a microphone and it's not music time to brag on the worship team. Um, we're very blessed here. Um. I'm a blessed worship leader. Um, the, the musicians here are incredible. They are amazing. Um, their hearts are going after God every Sunday. Um, on Sundays, if you see us up here, you know, closing our eyes or lifting our hands, um, that's just not something we do. You know, that's not, we're not doing that because we see other people do it. We don't do it because it looks cool. Or we don't do it because necessarily because we want you to expect you have to do that. We're doing that out of reverence and and out of worship to our Father. Um, And we'll get on into that some more later. Um, I want to say this: that the first point I have is nothing can rob worship of authenticity except there be a slight inkling of the thought that God is not good. But God is good, isn't he? If we truly believe that God is good, our worship will be genuine. It'll be true. We'll worship him in spirit and truth. In uh, John chapter 4, we actually have a, a Bible app and group text. And I don't even know how many guys are in it. Brian, do you know? How many guys are in that? 15, 10, 12? Something like that. But... Um, somebody was asking the question the other day wanting some clarity on something John chapter 4 verse 23 I believe that was the, the, the verse they were asking about it said but the hour is coming and now is, and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth and they were asking what does that mean how do I worship the Father in spirit and in truth which is awesome because we can bounce ideas off each other um, and being in the word guys that's the foundation of everything um, and getting a good group a good group of friends that you can bounce ideas off of but he was looking for clarity on how do I the, this, in particularly the spirit and in truth how do we worship the father in spirit and in truth and I think what it came down to for me upon reading the scripture it came down to two things you live a lifestyle of worship worship isn't singing three songs on Sunday. And I will probably say that 500 times tonight. Worship is not a ritual that we have developed over time where we come to church on Sunday morning. That's a form of worship. That is not what worship is. Second point is posture of the heart. It's coming into a worship service already with a posture that is facing Jesus, facing the throne room, coming in expectant. So, posture, posture of the heart. That's something I have to ask myself every Sunday morning when I come in to lead the congregation in worship. How is my posture? What am I focusing on? And I always want it to be on the Father. When we're postured on the Father, our worship can be nothing but in spirit and in truth. So we have three reservations, three things that could cause reservation when we're in a worship setting. I'm going to talk a little bit more about, later on, about the lifestyle of worship. Um, I'm going to move on to this. There's three things, we could write these down if y'all want to, um, the First thing is fear of man. Fear of man. That's at the forefront of the next two points I'm going to give you. Whenever I first started singing, and this isn't, I'm just sharing this because I'm a worship leader and that's the perspective I have right now. But this, this, this goes across the board. Um, we're all worship leaders. I feel like the Lord wants you all to know that. Worship leaders aren't up here, not just up here. Um, fear of man—that's at the forefront. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid, will they hear me sing? And I am terrible at singing. I did that for years, for years. Jesus doesn't care what your voice sounds like. It's all beautiful to Him. When we lift up a shout of praise, when we lift up a song, it's all beautiful to Him. And he wants you to know that as well. We have a fear of connecting emotionally to something. When we connect emotionally to something, that leads to connection. Sometimes the world will tell us that connections lead to heartbreak. The world will tell us that. That's not what God says. He wants to connect with each and every one of us emotionally. The third thing is distraction. I mean, we have our daily lives, but when we come into a worship setting, uh, distractions can be rampant sometimes. I've got three kids, and my second one, she can distract you from anything. Anything at any time. So, Jessica, I admire her. She's able to, she's got one hand hold, holding the babies. I can see her out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh, man, I can't look. She's like, got one baby jerking this way, and she's got one hand in the air, you know, singing. Um, I admire that about her. So everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Simple. Goliath was a voice of fear, doubt, and distraction, constantly in the head of an entire nation. Fear, doubt, and distraction were affecting an entire nation. So fear, doubt, and distraction could definitely affect our worship. David, the most prolific worshiper in the Bible, one of my favorite, favorite kings in the Bible, um, he had to take um, matters into his own hands, and he had to literally cut off the voice of fear, doubt, and distraction. That's what we have to do. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David was dancing before the Lord and McCall. Some people pronounce it Michael, but I want to call it McCall. <laughs> That's a guy's name, where I come from. So Michal said to David, oh, how the king of Israel honored himself today. Oh, great job, David. That's great. You really honored yourself today. When David was dancing before the Lord. Sometimes to people that don't understand, our, our worship may look like we're honoring ourselves. They just don't understand. They've not experienced what we're experiencing. And she goes on to say, as one of the vulgar fellas who shamelessly uncover themselves, she didn't understand the goodness of God. Some people haven't ex- experienced the presence of and the, the exhilaration of God's grace and what God's grace has done for us. They don't understand the why. Why are we celebrating? And, and, and David said, I can become even more undignified than this. This is just the tip of the iceberg. It was for the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. He's chosen us. He's chosen us. We're a prince. We are princes and priests in our houses, in our workplaces. We're to be an example of worship in every setting we're in. When we worship, we silence the voice of fear and suspicion and we declare who God really is. True worship sings in front of the battle and watches the enemies fall. True worship sings in a fiery furnace in the lion's den and around city walls just to watch them fall. Worship sings in the middle of a prison just to watch chains break and strongholds be forgotten. talk personally about my life, some things I had to learn while developing this, my relationship with Jesus. It's just simple. Three simple things that I had to learn that I wanted to share with you guys. Maybe this helps you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe this is elementary to you. I don't know. Maybe it's too deep. I don't know. I'm just saying it. We are not owed... First point, we are not owed anything out of a church service. The greatest gift was already given. It was already given to us. It's provided. I used to walk into a church service and, uh, hey, Jessica's taking a picture of me. It's going on the Facebook. <laughs> I used to walk into church service and I would gauge, oh man, man, that worship wasn't that good. Or, oh, they worship different than I do. I don't understand that. Um, I'm not going back there. Um, I didn't like the song choices they made. I don't like that song. Or I like that song, even that way. Oh, man, I loved that worship. I loved every song. But, That's not what worship is about. I found that I got, we're not owed anything of a church service, but I came away from a church service transformed when I postured my heart vertically. It doesn't matter if it's hymns, southern gospel, modern worship, contemporary, yodeling. It doesn't matter. I'm going to praise him. If we're, if we're posturing our hearts, the, one of the first things, if we posture our hearts vertically and we focus on the good things of God and we worship him in spirit and in truth, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they're seeing and how good it is. Second point is worship is about the Lord. Several times in Scripture it says, Give God the glory, do his name. I want to give you these scriptures so you can go back and look them up if you want. Psalms, Psalm 29, verse 2, 1 Chronicles 16 and 29, and Psalm 96, verse 8, I believe it is. And they all say three times it says, in just those three verses, it says, Give the Lord the glory, do his name. We must enter the sanctuary with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. I use this as an example. The worship is about the Lord. it's not about us. So what if we showed up? Jessica, when I turned 30 years old, Jessica threw me a surprise birthday party, and I came and I was surprised and because it was a surprise party. But anyway, she surprised me with this beautiful guitar that I thought I would never never own. It was amazing. But they came and they provided food, fed me. Some people gave me gift cards and she gave me a guitar. What if we showed up to a surprise party and everybody was like, where's my gift? Where's my gift? They expected you to give them a gift we would be kind of dumbfounded most of us would probably try to figure out some way to get them a gift we find out some way that's kind of what we're saying when we come into the worship and we're expecting to get something out of it at the first that can happen transformation can happen words of wisdom can happen revelation can happen but when we come into the church and our first thought is what am i going to get I would have to say God would be kind of perplexed at that. Third thing is we find out who is worthy. Who is worthy. I think we can all agree that he is the one worthy. I had to figure out that there was only one worthy of our praise. Only one. That enters a whole new spectrum of things we could talk about but Maybe at a later time we can talk about that. But he is the only one worthy of our praise, our time, and our affection. I want to say this again. Worship is not a three song set at the beginning of a service on Sundays, it's not a worship night, it's not a three night event we call revival. It's 100% about the posture of our hearts and adoration of who God is. What can happen if we worship from a posture of what can I give rather than what can I get? You know, in Matthew chapter 26, the story of the, the alabaster jar, the very expensive, 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 that's a good word. Expensive perfume that the lady poured to Jesus. A value of a year's wages. How much do we give when we worship the king? It's something to, to think about. How much do I give? I have to kind of question that in my heart every Sunday. How much did, you know, how, how much did I worship God? So it was a uh, it was a year's worth of wages, the value of it. But it just makes you think tithing is a form of worship. Tithing isn't something we something we talk about a whole lot. Um, tithing is a form of worship. At the end of uh, chapter 26, Jesus says to the disciples, well, at the end of that part, verse 13, actually. Jesus says, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So it makes me want to think, what are my daughters, what are my children going to remember about me in worship? Will stories be told of, of my worship lifestyle or anything like that? Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah, Isaiah saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. He wasn't worshiping just to get something, he was on his face. He received vision, guidance, calling, all that can be received through worship when we pour out our affections on God, when we give him what he's longing to hear, he can pour into us what we're longing to hear. If you're waiting for an answer on something and you've been praying about it, you've not tried worship yet, give it a spin. Take a little time alone, put on some music and worship. another example of what can happen is the story of Paul and Silas in the prison all the other prisoners were listening to him they began to worship and sing hymns and pray not just their chains fell off but every chain in the prison fell off what can your worship do for someone else so you ask why, why did why did everyone benefit from this? Why did, why did the person sitting in the back corner that's kind of had a long morning or had a long weekend or has three kids that they're dragging into church and distracted, how do they benefit from the worship that goes on here on Sunday mornings? In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 4, it says "And his brightness was the light. he had horns or beams of light coming out of his hands, and there was the hiding of his power. In his presence, there is power. All we have to do is pursue it. Rarely do we experience a church service where every person in the I th- I'd say I would, I'd, I'd say the, the times I've experienced it are very, very few. But I know I have experienced it. Where every person in the church was pursuing God and worshiping in spirit and in truth. Rarely does that happen. But the power is in his presence. Whether or not we're focused on that, the presence that comes into this place on Sunday mornings, the power is there. So those that are in the room, benefit from that power, but I want to be this is just a personal thing I want to be the pursuer I don't want to just be the benefiter so we can ask ourselves am I the pursuer or the benefiter, the benefitee <laughs> I guess that will be right it's something to think about it's something I have to ask myself Yurt, and one of our spiritual fathers and awesome man of God I got to listen to him speak not long ago, and he said, worship is offering to God something that we love. And he went on to say that's a a repetitive thing, a continual thing that we do. Offer to God something that we love. We love attention. We love our, our attention. Some of us do. I like attention every now and then. Offer him our love, our attention... Our adoration. Offer him our money. We talked about that a little bit lately in, in uh some uh the Bible app that we're part of. Um, it's just part of the world. We're part of the world, we're humans, we love money. So what do we do? We tithe. Give that back to God. I don't even know why I'm speaking on that. Didn't plan on saying that, but that was free. Okay. Genesis chapter twenty-two. Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham was preparing to sacrifice his son, he did several things while he was... I want to say this, Abraham was a very wealthy man. It's all, throughout, all throughout Genesis, it talks about how much wealth he had. Very wealthy man. So Abraham got up when he was told to do this. These are the things I want to focus on. You can read the scripture, but these are the things I want to put, put, point out. Abraham cut the wood for the fire. He saddled the donkey. He built the altar. He placed wood on the altar. He bound his son and he laid him on the altar. He himself raised the knife to plunge it into his son's chest. He was a wealthy man. Why did he cut the firewood? Why did he load it up? Why did he do all of these things? It's because no one can worship for us. We must worship for ourselves. On Sunday mornings, the last thing that we want to do up here, every person on this stage, the last thing we want to do is sing one note for you. We'll sing them, we will. The last thing we want to do is sing your song. Among these things I know I'm kind of bouncing around, so I apologize for that. Clay asked me to Clay asked me to talk and this is a couple weeks ago, I guess, maybe kinda of talked about it, um, and uh, I kind of prayed about it. I said, yeah, sure, we'll do it, and I might not have uh, prayed too long about it. I feel like God was calling me to do this anyway, But um, so it's like a confirmation thing, but once he asked me, that night I didn't sleep hardly at all, and I just kind of got, we talked about last week, when you're hearing the voice of God, whenever you're getting a download, Clay talked about interrupting our download a few times last week. When you're getting a download, it's hard to sleep. So, this, this is the kind of the way I got it, and that's the kind of the way I put it down. I tried to rearrange it, but... Lifting hands. I want to talk about that for a second. Why do we lift hands? We all know the story of Moses whenever he was lifting his hands in the battle against Amalek. The longer he raised his hands... The longer the troops prevailed, hands would hands would start to fall. They'd get heavy. It says they were like stone. And the, the battle would start to be lost. But they propped him up so he could have his hands up. When we're in a battle, sometimes that's all we got to do. Just lift our hands. Just lift our hands. Lifting our hands can signify several different things. One thing is surrender. I surrender. You know, if you're in battle and somebody's got you surrounded, I give. I surrender everything to you, Father. Vulnerability. So, I have nothing to hide. Somebody comes up and says, put them up. Hey, you're vulnerable in that state. I don't have anything to hide. Sometimes we lift our hands, put our hands out to become dependent. Little Crew, he's starting to, our youngest son, he's six months old. He's starting to learn this motion. Starting to learn when his mom comes around, especially. (laughs) He puts his hands out. He's dependent on her. The world wants you to think becoming independent is the goal. We all want to be independent. I don't need anybody. I'm on my own. When it comes to spiritually, the best thing we can do is become as dependent as possible. Just dependent on him, dependent on his presence. We're nothing without him. Fourth thing that it can signify is to receive something. If if Jeremy's going to hand me something, I'm going to put my hands out and I'm going to receive it. Sometimes whenever we're ending the, the message, Clay will kind of say, lift your hands. And he's praying a prayer of blessing. He's praying a, a prayer over the congregation. And as we lift our hands, what that means is we're receiving what he's praying over us. He's making a declaration. We're receiving that declaration. If we're singing a song that says, my fear doesn't stand a chance, I receive that. Amen. we got to get a change of mindset. I sent this to Clay a few days ago, I guess maybe a week ago. I was like, is this too much? I feel like it might be too much. I don't know. This quote right here. Sunday morning should stop being a worship session to build up and spill over into the rest of the week. Sunday should be a spillover and outpouring from our week of living worship. And this comes from a, this comes from what I was talking about earlier, living a lifestyle of worship. Worship isn't a three song set. It's not a worship night. It's not a, a what we call a revival. It's a lifestyle. God is setting us free from a Sunday morning Christianity and he's inviting us to dive headfirst into who he says we are world spends a lot of time telling us who we are. That's uh, Christians. You yeah. uh, know. That's city of hope down there. Maybe they do. I don't know. They might. Surely not. We got to focus on, dive headfirst on into who he says we are. He says we're father. We're, we're, we're not his father. We're fathers. We're his son. We're his children. We're his daughters. We're his friend. He is our healer, our savior, our provider, redeemer. And I've I've got to say this because me and Jessica—we've been dating. We've been dating a while. (laughs) (laughs) We've been we've been (laughs) we've been married eleven years. And we dated for five years before that. So like half my life, we've been together. And I've known her dad for 16 years, her, my father-in-law. If you've ever met Mike, he's the most amazing man I've ever met. One of the most amazing men I've ever met. Whenever we first started dating, me and Mike, Mike would say, you want to go fishing? I'm like, Yeah, I want to go fishing. We'd get out there, and he'd be on the front of the boat, running the trolling motor. He'd fish Every cast. Praise you Jesus, constantly, every waking minute, every minute. I was like, man, this guy's, this guy's he's pumped. every day, every day, he was excited. We'd be driving down the road and he would start speaking in tongues, in prayer. constantly we, we were on a fishing trip uh, this May we went fishing and there's all a bunch of guys out you know they're having a good time and me and Mike are sitting there on the back of the boat and every fish we caught probably I don't know 30 fish or so every fish he caught he would yell thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Mike is the perfect example of what I'm about to talk about and that is a constant lifestyle and posture of the heart across, across the board throughout life. Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday morning. It's a constant time of prayer. You can go about your day. It's something that has to be learned. It's something that I'm trying to learn. Go about your day as I see patience throughout the day. Trying to be thinking of the good things of God. Praising his name doesn't have to be audible every time, but if it is, even better. Even better. It's a good witness. People need to hear that. But it's something we develop over time, the ability to go throughout our day, to drive, to work, to take care of children, to cook dinner, to, which I don't do much of. I don't know why I said that. I just seen my wife. <laughs> She's a good cook. It's something we have to learn one of the last things I want to talk about is how does worship affect the supernatural versus the natural? So natural and supernatural. Something something that's natural is something that you can feel. It's sensory. Something that's natural is carnal. Something we can see, hear, smell, touch, or maybe even feel. Sometimes when we come into worship, we hear music when we come into worship we see worship going on we see lights, we see things like that we can sing that's sensory that's that's natural we can lift our hands that's natural we can feel something. We can feel something that's a natural, a natural thing. When you think on the good things of God, I get excited. I get very excited. But the question is, how do we turn those things from being natural into supernatural? They become supernatural whenever they trigger something in us that causes a transformation. That's something we all have to figure out. We have to when we come into worship we need to sing lift our hands feel the emotion that's okay it's not a bad thing to feel emotional when you're worshiping the king of kings and our savior but when we begin to posture our hearts and we pour out what God is longing to hear our praise and he can pour into us what we're longing to hear that's when it can become supernatural. It becomes an experience. It becomes transformational. There's five points I want to end with, and these are about how to to move some kind of basic things we can do to move from natural into supernatural. First thing is live a life of worship. Put it on a mirror in the morning when you get up. Put it on the mirror. Say, I'm living a life of worship today. We talked about what that was. Second thing is posture the heart. When we come into church, we have to enter the church, enter a worship service with our heart postured on the Father. I know it's hard to do sometimes. You got a lot going on. But if we can get in the habit of that, it's something that's learned. It's something that's developed. Me and Jessica, we're talking about over here, she comes in with two kids, and it's hard to posture your heart when you're dragging two kids up here trying to figure out where you're going to stick them. Usually mother in, her mother-in-law gets it, my mom gets them. But... It's something that we have to learn to do. We have to learn to, as soon as we get in here, we have to posture our heart on the Father. Third thing, we have to squash the fear of man, emotion, and distraction. We have to squash it. I went through it for years. Years still go through it. I still fear man. As much as I'd like to stand up here and say, I've conquered it. I've got the way. It's not true. I'm still working on that. Every bit of this, every bit of this I've said, and I'm working on it. The fourth thing is, we must step out and sing our own song. We bring our own voice to the table. Although it's good that we sing that we sing together and we sing songs together, but I'm not necessarily certain that God wants to hear my voice singing for you or Shauna's voice singing for you and even not necessarily you singing the exact words we're saying we have to bring our own voice and the fifth thing is arriving to church expectant and prompt let's be prompt prompt hardest thing to do is to get to church on on time seems like it's a hard thing to do I know but whenever we're running in and we're in we're two three songs into worship you're running in to catch it I don't know I feel like somebody needs to hear that I don't know I've been there I've been there we gotta be prompt be here early let's pray together let's pray together Let's begin to posture our heart before we get here. All right. Now we're going to move on into the lab section. Lab section. Is that all right? Is that good? Good, everybody? If I didn't clear any, anything, clarify anything very well or there's something that you have a question about, like, what are you talking about? Please come and ask me. Come and ask me. I'd be glad to, glad to share with you what I think or, or what the, share my heart with you. Um, we, the last couple last couple of weeks we did, a, um, at the beginning of the lab, we just kind of took a minute to honor the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that tonight. But I'm going to kind of go over what we're going to do in lab. That way if you want to jet, if you want to get out of here go ahead I'm just kidding it's not that bad for real so we're going to take a minute we're going to honor the Holy Spirit we're going to listen we're going to posture our hearts toward Him and then we're going to just sing a couple songs together something super simple And, and we're going to practice what we've been talking about I might sing I don't know I want to kind of start a song, and I want us all to sing together. Let's posture our hearts on, on the Father first, and then let's just all sing together. And listen, squash the fear of man, for real. I know it's easy, it's easy for you to say, you know, you haven't heard my voice. Has God heard your voice? Has God heard your voice? It doesn't matter what I think, no matter what anybody thinks. And then we're going to take another time where we're going to... The third thing we're going to do is we're going to take a minute. We're just going to listen to some music, play softly. I'm going to play softly on the guitar. and I want you guys to just pray and, and and really concentrate on what the Father is speaking to you. We're going to mesh this in with the last two weeks. We're going to kind of listen to what the Father is declaring over you. You may have a declaration that he has given you for this church or... For this body right here tonight and be open to that. And after that few moments there, I have faith that he's going to give us a new song. I'm not talking about we're not going to write a song. Oh, well, That would be awesome. <laughs> we just put, get everybody to put a few words together and we would write it. God is so good. Oh, that's So, in that time, it doesn't have to be words. I just want us to, to sing. It doesn't have to be a, a certain song. I'm just going to kind of play through some stuff, and, and let's just step out. I kind of back up from the mic when I do it on Sundays, just so I don't scare people. I kind of back up and just squall real good. It doesn't have to be a squall, but whenever, can I say this, worship doesn't have to be hysteria, it doesn't have to be crazy, but there's something awesome about when everybody in the room is singing with a unified voice. Guys, if you've never experienced that, it's like heaven. It's amazing, and we're going we're gonna to do that tonight. But that's the four things we're going to do, and I'm just going to kind of put on a loop here. And we'll just take about a minute and we'll just kind of posture our hearts. Let's just focus on the good things of God.